fun. Kevin Sullivan, how the hell are you doing, man? I'm doing good. It's been a it's been a few weeks since I saw you. I think. Yeah, man. Well, it's, so I think fast, it's been like a remember. week and a half. I was on your show. Uh, Twenty one. Oh gone. shit! That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Shows you how much I don't remember anything. <laughs> uh, what's What's funny is we had last night we had Jason Piccolo on, who's also a PhD, and it's like, man, we are the smart show. <laughs> I'm listening to us for smart people. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm a PhD dropout. It was a uh, <laughs> that that was kind of a thing, man. Like, like I saw a lot of the stuff going on in academia that, that like all the woke stuff, yeah. I saw that stuff Oof. like coming 15 years ago. I know. Really? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, I, I went to my undergrad was at university of New Hampshire, which was, I feel like, and it could just been a, a, a symptom of the nineties. I can't remember when I went there mid to late nineties. And uh, yeah, all the PC stuff was coming through university of New Hampshire. They actually were one of the, uh, uh, uh a flyer went out from them a couple of years ago and it showed like all this like ridiculous PC stuff, like deep in the weeds of uh, just all the crap that makes us upset these days. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's my alma mater. That's my, alma yeah, mater. man. I saw uh, yesterday and I don't want to get too far into this stuff, but uh, yeah. the new iPhone update has a pregnant man emoji. Sure. Why not? Listen, yeah. I, I, in the real world, I work in medicine. Okay. And you know how many pregnant men I've dealt with in my life? I can't even say it with a straight face. Tons, tons, right? <laughs> yeah, tons. It's just like, okay, now who's the mom here? Cause I don't know. I mean, I assume yeah. the one with the big belly and the boobs, but I have no idea. I told my, I told my girlfriend to be careful because I'm PMSing. So <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Know, Why not live your truth? Live your truth. brother. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, Kevin, man, uh, welcome to the show. I, I, I uh, want to start by, you know, just getting a little bit into your background, you know, uh, talking about your service and, and, and what you're doing now and, and, you know, how you got to, uh, got to get it into doing podcasting and things like that. Sure. Um, so let's start with like a brief synopsis of, of who you are, where you're coming from, where you serve, that kind of thing. All right. My name is Kevin Sullivan. I come from New Hampshire. Uh, I was in the U.S. Air Force from 2001 to 2007. Uh, it was right before 9-11. I was bored. I had a beer gut. I was just like, what am I doing with life? I was sitting in a uh, uh, office space downtown Boston. And I'm like, I'm going to go do the military. <laughs> it was literally, it was like, I'm just going to do something different. So I went down to the recruiting office and I was like, I walked in and I, I have a huge family history. I think I have a picture around here somewhere of like civil war era, uh, naval members from my family. So I was like, I'll, sure. I have to be in the Navy. So I went up to the Navy and I was like, I want to be in the Navy, but I don't like boats. I just want to blow shit up. And he just laughed at me. And he's like, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so this Air Force guy was sitting behind him. They, they kind of had, you know, Air Force, Navy, uh, and then Marines and, and what's the other one? Army. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so the Air Force guy is like, you want to blow shit up? Come over here. And I was like, okay, why not? So he, he talked me into doing uh, a TACP, Tactical Air Control Party, uh, the officer version. And I believe now they've changed the names for the officers, like air liaison officer or whatever. It, it's same sort of sort of job. So I was excited about that. Joined, uh, I, I already got my degree. So I went to officer candidate school and halfway through officer candidate school, the, the NCO who's in charge of what we call billets, your, your uh, assignment, he calls my name and I'm like, it's never good to have like a E6, E7 when you're a, a, I don't know what we called ourselves, cadets or something like that. Uh, call your name out. So I go up and he said, hey, you scored well on this test. Do you want to fly airplanes? And I was like, huh, 
do I have time to think about this? So I have a couple of days. And then he kind of rolled his eyes, looked at the next name on the list and called that person over. And it was basically, you have a, as much time till that guy gets here to figure out if this is what you want to do. And I was like, well, what, do I get to blow shit up still? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you get to be the one that actually blows shit up. And I was like, okay, let's do it. Literally, that's how I went from being a ground personnel to aviation was 15 seconds. Someone asked me if I wanted to do it. And so, yeah. So then my career changed drastically from that point on off wow. to flight school and all that stuff. Yeah. That's, that's how I look at it. I mean, life is really like that. You're given these opportunities. If you sit around and dwell on them now, now you should, now that I'm an old man, you should dwell a little bit, right? Little you should <laughs> plan it out a little bit. But in those days I wasn't married and have kids. I mean, it was, it was great. So yeah. So I became a, uh, uh, two names, uh, uh, navigator, but that kind of went to the wayside and combat systems officer, electronic warfare officer, whatever it is. I was the guy in the C-130 making sure we weren't shot down and making sure we didn't hit any mountains or anything like that. So that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. You told fun. me a story and, and I can't get the story out of my head. Okay. You stopped, uh, you stopped at an air base. It was either in Iraq or Afghanistan. Yes. And, uh, you had to, you had to take a shit. And so mm -hmm. you're, you went over to the porta potty and they yeah. played a joke on you. They didn't tell you it had been bombed out or something like that. Yeah, it was, uh, I want to say it was up in Mosul or Kirkuk, somewhere like that. That was the, uh, that's one of the reasons why I really liked my job in the C-130 because we weren't in the airplanes that were 30, 40,000 feet above mm -hmm. the action. We, we were down in it. We were like fixed wing helicopters. Yeah. That would be a good way to explain it. Every airfield just hopping to each airfield at low level. And we went up to this uh, little airfield somewhere up north and uh, they were under sniper fire or whatever. So normally I come out with my flashlight and I'm like, I, you know, if I have to take a dump, but they, uh, it was like just chem lights everywhere. And I was like, I, I got to use the bathroom. And they're like, uh, there's one about, you know, 200 meters that way. And so I, I went over to, to, and I'm in full kit, you know, with my, my uh, uh, armor and all that stuff on and, and weapon. And I get over there. Uh, I find it eventually. I think I had my, my um, flight helmet and my flight C, uh, uh, NVGs, which aren't like ground troops because they're they're really blurry because we we tune them out to like I don't know a mile right because that's where we're looking we're not looking anywhere close right. so I make out the shape of a of a porta potty and I get over there and I take my helmet off and I take because you gotta we have one zipper right it's a one piece Correct. suit so you gotta take everything off and I throw it on the ground I really have to go I open up the door and I. I sit back and I just fall into a hole, uh, full of, you know, you know, that blue water and yeah. And shit. And Ugh. yeah, it was one of the worst experiences. It's really where the root of my PTSD comes from to this day. Cause it was, it was pretty, Fuck, I'm sorry to bring it up. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm joking. It, it, but it, it, I, yeah. Uh, oof. Uh, and apparently or one of the guys was laughing when I came back, one of the army dudes, because he said, yeah, that was hit by a, a mortar a few days ago. <laughs> and I think what he said was you were supposed to go to the one on the left. But how do you know, you know, in the in that situation, you don't stop to look at mortar damage. You're just time to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I couldn't imagine if that was me. And then how long did you have to fly after that? Ah, full mission. I mean, we I, I don't even know most of our missions. We had like a. Uh, crew time or something because they figured let's say it was 18 hours i don't remember what it was but mm -hmm. if you go beyond 18 hours uh people tend to crash <laughs> so you know after looking at a history of how many people were flying and all this they came up with a crew hour time so who knows i i just that's the funny thing about 
you know, it, it feels like my service was just yesterday, but let's say that was 2004, 2005, man, that was 17 years ago when yeah, I was crazy, a kid. Right? Yeah. That's when crazy. I was a kid, Vietnam was 17 years ago or 20 years. I mean, that's crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, time moves like that. Oh, that's fucking nuts, man. Yeah, so, you don't remember everything. And then everything comes into like one memory. And mm-hmm. when you're talking with your friends, you're like, oh, remember when we did this? And they're like, actually, that was Afghanistan, not Iraq. Or that yeah. was this guy and not that guy. And that was here. And it's like, it's just one big ball of memories. And it's hard to, to kind of pick them out. That's okay, man. What, yeah. So, you know, how long did you serve? And, and, and you know, did you, did you stay in for a while or did you, did you get out uh, pretty quickly after, after everything? After uh, the poop incident, yes, it was a medical boy. <laughs> I, uh, I was actually, so uh, because I was hard charging as, in my younger years, I still wanted to blow stuff up. And the C-130 I got didn't blow stuff up. So I was a little disappointed with that. Uh, I did get to call an airstrike and that was like my one glorious moment of explosions. But beyond that, uh, I, I was gunning for special operations. I wanted to go to the AC-130 gunship. So mm-hmm. Uh, three or four deployments in, uh, my, my commander was like, yeah, you got gunships. Uh, congratulations. You're an air commando. I'm like, this is great. I'm going to go to C1 or the, uh, AC-130 gunship world and all this. And, uh, just have to make it through this, this, uh, deployment. And then the rest is fuzzy and, and it's funny human memory. So when, when you think back on things and you try to remember how clear they are and you're like, oh, I remember this clearly. I remember that that's your brain filling in gaps. You know, very rarely is it accurate. Even if it happened today, like someone cuts you off today, you go, it was a white pickup truck. There was a guy with a blue baseball hat, but really it could have been a woman. And your your brain just says, okay, this is most likely what happened. And this is what you remember. So uh, I was on a mission. uh, And I think we were going to Baghdad, but I don't remember anything before. And I don't remember really anything for two weeks after that incident. Um, What happened was, and what was told to me, which has kind of become my story because they told me so much that I've retold it. And now I kind of have a memory of it, if that makes any sense. But um, we were flying uh, into Baghdad or whatever, and either the plane did a maneuver or we hit turbulence. And I never, as a navigator, uh, I never strapped into my my chair. Everyone else was strapped in, even the loadmasters in the back. Um, but my job was, because I had so many different stations, like running the, the uh, electronic countermeasures and then looking at the radar and then actually physically going up to the window and looking out and scanning for threats. Um, so my loadmaster in the back, apparently I went off mic, no one could find me or they were calling me and I wasn't answering and they looked back and I wasn't there. And the loadmaster went to look for me and found me unconscious at the bottom of the flight steps, kind of like, like on my head with my body kind of crumpled on top. And so he picked me up and he put me in a, in a seat. And this is, this is actually a memory I have. Cause I remember being paralyzed half of my body. And having no clue where I was, I mean, it was like being a kid woken up from a nap. Like I just had no idea what was happening. Uh, they medevaced me. They took me to, um, uh, gosh, I think it was Kuwait, and just put me through the ringers. And they're like, "We have no idea what happened to you." Now, now, mind you, as a medical personnel, I hear this story. I'm like, "Oh, you banged your head." But in those days, it was, uh, "We don't know what happened to you. It's got to be." PTSD. And, and what's funny, I, you know, you interviewed um, uh, Kegan not, not long ago, right. uh, same sort of thing around, well, no, his was a few years after, but around the same, same situation. Uh, no, actually I take that back. My situation was not even freaking remotely close to that animal. Yeah. But, he got, he got, yeah. for those who haven't listened to that episode, our friend Kagan uh, ejected at the sound barrier and yeah. nearly had his body torn apart. 
Yeah. Yeah. Mine was like stubbing my toe. He just basically liquefied a skeleton. Um, but yeah. So anyways, they, they did, they put me through everything. They're like, well, with, with your symptoms, we think it's PTSD. Uh, thanks for playing medical, uh, board and you're done. Right. And so it was, here's a whole shit ton of pills. And I believed it cause I didn't know. So I'm like, okay, taking my pills, feeling like garbage, uh, being depressed, even though they put me on antidepressants, pain medicines, sleep medicines, uh, anti-anxiety medicines, um, nerve pain. I mean, it, the list goes on. And I, I just, I left with a bad taste in my mouth because I had this career that I was gunning for. And within one mission, I'm now just a, you just feel like you're tossed out, you know, because yeah. the, the millet, you're a cog, you're a piece in a giant machine. And right. like any machine, they pieces break and you just throw them away and you start. And that's fine. Now, now that I'm older, I know that. But as a, a young guy, I mean, it was devastating, it was absolutely mm-hmm. devastating. So, yeah, that's how I got out. Uh, no, were you married at the time or anything like that? Or I got married three months before. So I got back. I think I had six months left in my career. So I got back from that deployment. Um, did all the medical stuff. And then I knew it was over. I mean, my, my, even my commander was like, uh, if you can't fly, I mean, you can't, I was undeployable basically. And it's like, he, he said he would fight for me to do what we call executive work. Um, I was the wing exec. I was, and it's, you're, you're just a bitch boy. You're sitting there writing people's performance reports. You're answering to the Colonel you're doing. It's just, it's not a good job. And I was like, sir, if I'm doing that for the rest of my career, I would rather be medically discharged. And so uh, he was cool with that, um, which I think anyone who who is operation minded uh, would be cool with that. So I kind of forgot what the question was that you had there, but no, just uh, just kind of trying to figure out oh, your married, story with yeah. the Air Force and everything like that. But yeah, um, yeah. So- yeah, no, I I ended up because uh, <laughs> I knew my time was limited uh, in the Air Force, so I uh, proposed and got married. Uh, 15 years now. So it worked. <laughs> that's the one, that's, that's awesome. the one career that actually stuck. <laughs> so that's awesome. That's awesome. So like, yeah, that whole feeling of like, just abruptly, abruptly being told you're, you're getting out now. And we've got a lot of friends who, who, who've had that happen to him. We mentioned Kate, um, you know, Andrew, Andrew Marr, who, who was special forces green beret. And, and then all of a sudden his brain just started failing on him and, and, and things like that, you know, uh, that feeling, uh, how did you get through that? Like, what was your next thing? Did you find a mission immediately after that? Or, or did you, did, did you go through some, some self-pity and depression? What's funny is, and, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I could have, right. I, I remember specifically the first day I was a civilian. Uh, I didn't get up. I'm like, well, I'm going to wake up. I don't have anything to do. I have nowhere to be. And I just laid in bed and then I got up and I started drinking. And then I, it I, literally, this is maybe one to two days. And then I'm like, no, not going to do this. I'm not going to come out damaged and then just follow the, the typical, um, uh, pity party and, and go down that route. I just, I just decided and instantly I wasn't going to do that. So I was like, all right, got down to the books and said, let's find out what I can do. And I had no, idea. I mean, I was, I was trained to fly my, <clears throat> My undergrad degree was garbage. I mean, I was a history major. And I got a two six or maybe even a two five GPA. I mean, I, I, I had nothing. So uh, a friend of mine who was a PA, I was just talking to her and she said, hey, you ever thought about being a PA? I was a firefighter before I went in uh, to the Air Force. I was a firefighter EMT. And she's like, EMT background, you could, you could do that. And so I looked it up. I was like, what's a PA? 
And then from that point on, what's funny, I didn't, I'm sure half the doctors I saw in the Air Force were PAs. I didn't know. I didn't know what a PA was, but I was like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. Why not? And so I just kind of hunkered down, studied, took a lot of entry-level jobs. Uh, I was going to like at one point, five different community colleges trying to get my my sciences and everything uh, uh, taken care of, apply. And then I applied to one school and I was like, I hope it works. <laughs> and somehow I got in. I, somehow I got in. Somehow I passed two and a half, three years of schooling and then became a PA. So it it all sure. it all worked out, actually. And and it was a choice. I, I think it was. I mean, I know some people are in uh, a lot worse uh places mentally, because I think we lose most of our guys in that crucial zone. Right. And, mm-hmm. and you could have 20 years, you could have whatever, how many I had six or seven years, you could have six weeks and break your leg or do something awful and, and basic, no matter what it is, you're going to find yourself a civilian again. And there's, that's, that's the, the danger zone right there. That's a very, that's a rough area to be in. Um, I was just lucky. I don't know. I'm not a spiritual guy, but uh, I do believe in fate and and everything that has happened to me from even the head injury on uh, has just sort of worked out if I listen to myself and I listen to uh, the you know my soul, my my whatever that drive is. If if you ignore it, sure you're going to find yourself in some issues. But I, I listen to it every single time, and it's never steered me wrong, not once. That's awesome. That's awesome. I man, I did like the op. I would. I, I was like, I'm going to get out. I'm going to wake up at eight every day. I'm going to freaking go out to the bar. I'm going to tell every girl <laughs> I meet that I was a Marine veteran and they're all going to want to have sex with me, all that stuff like that. <laughs> and yeah, none of that shit ever happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of the yeah. opposite, right? <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. And, and that's the funny thing. I had a guy named on, uh, a guy on named Mike Liario. He was, uh, I want to say he was a Ranger Regiment um, commander. Awesome dude. And he said that to me during an interview. He said, because uh, I used to always ask, What's, what advice do you have to people um, on my, my, the way my show used to be? And he was like, just know that your career is going to end. Whether it's, yeah. and kind of like I said a few minutes ago, whether it's you know your third day of basic or your 36th year, it's going to end and just be ready for it and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and have a plan. Otherwise, especially if you're like you know, 25, 26, and, and, a, and it's not your choice, and you can you can go down some dark areas because, I mean, gosh, that's almost twenty years since I've been that age. And you know, where would I be? Where would I be if I chose the latter? I mean, the latter. I I would, I would absolutely. I don't know. I I shudder to think because I would hate to be uh, that person. Instead, I, yeah. I, you know, I muckled down and I got shit done. And it was a struggle because again, I was misdiagnosed with PTSD. I'm on all the medicines. I I was sleeping all the time. I had. I just felt like. I mean, you've heard this story. I'm, I'm basically yeah. singing the same tune. I, I felt like a, if if you could compare me to the day I went into the Air Force, all piss and vinegar, uh, to uh, let's say 30 when I got out, um, I was maybe 10% of that person, if that, mm. maybe 5%, all the way up to like 35. Um, wow. Just... Yeah, it just felt like shit. I was like, I guess this is life for me now. Do you know who changed? Do you know... It, it, this is kind of interesting. It, what changed my life and made me actually start doing this sort of thing mm-hmm. and uh, advocating for veterans is I'm driving home from grad school because I, I went to school like two hours away and my wife stayed in, uh, in Raleigh. And as I'm driving home, I'm listening to Joe Rogan mm-hmm. talk to a gentleman named Andrew Marr mm-hmm. and a guy named Dr. Mark Gordon. 
And yeah. I'm listening to it and I'm like, holy shit, this guy's story sounds really, really familiar. Yeah. And I listened to it and then I went home and I re-listened to it and I listened to it again. I've probably, I've probably listened to that episode. I don't know how many times in my life. Mm-hmm. And I started putting those changes that I heard from, from him, you know, um, quit drinking as I'm having a non, a non-carb beer right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, you know, I quit doing all the stuff that was, um, not healthy for me, quit wheat, quit, uh, basically went paleo slash keto, um, meditation, started putting all these, like, uh, I, I want to say like anti-inflammatory literally and for the soul, like just trying to, mm-hmm. and I got to probably 50% I was up about 50% to the guy I was um, when I went in and think about it. I mean, it's like a 300% increase in how I felt. Yeah. I was like, man, I am onto something here. And then, uh, and then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to reach out to Andrew and say, Hey, help. <laughs> so I did. And he got me enrolled with Dr. Gordon and man, that protocol got me to 98%. And I'll give the 2% just because I'm in my forties. Now they can have that 2% air force yeah. and they can take that. I'm 98% to where I was back then. And it's, it's incredible off every single medicine. I don't take any medicines except for the supplements that Dr. Gordon has me on. And, and yeah. Well, it's crazy, man, because like, you know, I remember being like 19 years old and being able to stay up like three days in a row and friggin', you know, being able to train and being able to to do all that stuff on top of drinking. And then, you know, when I started hitting my, my, probably my, late twenties, early thirties, I started slowing down a whole lot, you know, like just, just tired all the time, moody, friggin' getting depressed, like, like just dealing with it. And I think, you know, what happens with a lot of guys is they get so used to that, that that is their baseline and they don't know anything else anymore. And I think that, that when you go through something like what you went through and, and you, you get the veil lifted off from, from over your eyes, um, you know, it's shocking how much better you feel when you start treating your body better and, and, and you start taking care of yourself, you know, sure. how much more energy you have for things like your wife and, and your kids and, and, and for, for life in general, you know, and, and I think one of the problems with a lot of guys is like, you know, when we're young, we're not really present a lot of the time, you know, particularly us, us enlisted and us enlisted swine we're in, we, uh, we, a lot of us were like just eager to, to get the hell out, but we forget sure. to be present and actually enjoy it and remember that we're there with a, a lot of our friends and things like that. And that translates over to, to like yourself in the civilian world. Like, you know, you're still sitting there and you're waiting for something. You don't know quite what you're waiting for. Um, and, and you're, you're, you're not present, but, but when you have that energy, you can be present, you can enjoy life, you can take life, take control of life and actually plan things out and, and, and go for things that you still want to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And just, and, and a lot of people, well, there's a couple things there that, that, uh, is interesting. And, and I've really picked this up since, you know, I started practicing medicine a, a while ago and <laughs> now it's almost a decade, but, um, so you get someone that feels like shit. Right. Uh, one thing I, and I can't remember who I heard this from, but, um, he was speaking of women, but I think men can fall easily into this as well. Uh, picture a child, small child, right. And in my case, let's picture my daughter. Um, the shit that people tell themselves 
every day. You're a piece of shit. You can't do this. You're crap. You're garbage. You're too fat. You're too slow. You're too ugly. You're too, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say 98% of people that are listening right now and around the world have spoken to themselves like this. Would you ever speak to your daughter or son or nephew or whatever in that tone? No, you wouldn't. Why? Because it would be devastating to that child then why the hell do you do it to yourself, right? Why do you do that to yourself? So you start your day off, you look in the mirror, um, and, I, and I picture just one of my patients, right, right now, obese, you know, female, 52 years old, uh, angry at herself, angry at the world, and what makes her feel better? She goes downstairs and eats a donut. Boom, endorphin rush. I feel I feel good for maybe five to 10 minutes. As she right. gets in the car, she starts dipping again. Oh, I hate myself, I hate myself. Pulls into a... A window, you know, like food comes magically through my window and gets a giant milkshake coffee drink. Boom, she feels good again. Ah, oh, this is great. Endorphin rush. Gets to work, feels like crap. And it's a it's a repeating cycle. And it's it's basically an overdose of drugs that's that's uh, shooting endorphin into their body. And to convince people, right, that you might have to go through two years, three years, whatever the amount of pain is, you're going to have to remove that drug and you're going to have to go through withdrawal and you're going to have to face the shit that you are self-medicating against. But on the other end, I guarantee you, you're going to feel like a better person. You're going to wake up feeling refreshed. You're going to um, be able to walk upstairs without being out of breath. Your knees won't hurt. That's such a hard thing to get into people, to tell them, because guess what? When you take away that donut or that coffee drink or whatever, they're still going to wake up in the morning, look at themselves in the mirror and call themselves a piece of shit. And now they don't have their drug to recover from it. And it's, it's, and, and veterans easily fall into that category. I see so many veterans that uh, are, are drinking too much, eating too much, just doing everything they can to tamp down that inner voice and and it's it's tragic and the, the then the answer is or the question is how do you change that i couldn't tell you i've been doing this exactly. for a decade i've failed a million times i couldn't tell you no that's you you you're dead on with that you're dead on with that and i mean it's crazy it's it, it, and i think um you know a lot of ways physical activity has been my thing you know that sure. that kind of took took that over but you can get too far into that too. Oh, know? absolutely. It's, yeah. it's, it, it'll kill you if you, if you do too much of it, but mm-hmm. tell me about the 21 gun podcast. When did you start doing that? And, and, um, you know, how, how'd you get to where you are now? You guys have been really successful. Um, and it, and it is a great show. Um, how'd that start? So, uh, probably, gosh, let me look maybe four years ago. I had done other podcasts. I, I just like you, I, I, you know, stuck my toes in a comedy back before I joined the Air Force. I just always like to create. I'm a creative person. Medicine doesn't really give you a chance to create. Um, so I was like, let's just try podcasting. This is before it was really that big. Uh, and I had fun. I kind of, I look back at the time, I'm like, what am I doing? I, I might have made enough money to keep the podcast going, but it was a lot of work for what I thought was little outcome. But right. what I ended up doing was putting myself through uh, basically a master's course in how to talk with people, how to ask questions, how to read body language, and how to mm-hmm. interview. And so uh, I did a couple of shows, and then I, I kind of put that to rest. And a friend of mine was going to Burbiz. Um, it's a great organization, B-O-U-R-B-I-Z. Um, check them out. They have um, kind of veteran networking things around. And so part of me was like, let's just go to Burbiz. Let's just see what this is all about. There was, again, like I said at the beginning, my soul was saying, go here. And I listened and I didn't want to go because, you know, at the time I was, I was into my recovery from 
you know, the PTSD misdiagnosis, I call it and getting off my medicines, but I still had some issues. Right. And, and I mean, that's a whole can of worms. I <laughs> I'm still working on, but I didn't like going into crowds. I didn't like, you know, rubbing elbows with people it just was totally not what I wanted to do, but I sucked it up and I did it anyways. And I went up there and I met uh, Donnie O'Malley, who is from uh, vet TV. Yep. And I had a good conversation with him, a man named Dan Mallard, who is with uh, the Irreverent Warriors. They're kind of a married group, Vet TV mm-hmm. and Irreverent Warriors. And they told me about their mission, what they do. And I looked and they didn't have a podcast. And so I came home and I started writing down ideas and, and you know trying to figure out what kind of show would work for them did a couple pilot episodes and pitched it to him. I said, Hey, this is 21 gun. Uh, basically we're, we're highlighting the lives of veterans who, you know, just everyday veterans who chose life instead of a bullet or drinking themselves to death or whatever. And they said, great, go with it. And so they gave me the job. Uh, I ended mm-hmm. up being the podcast for the irreverent warriors, uh, side of things. We did that for three years. Uh, COVID hit COVID got a little wonky. Um, because what happened, so the irreverent warriors, their main thing is that they, they bring veterans out of isolation, right? If you're home by yourself and then you're not amongst your, the people that you know and speak your language, then that's where bad things happen, isolation. And so suddenly the whole world was isolated. And it's like, what do we do with these veterans? So uh, I had a guy that was helping me out in the studio, Jeremy Walton. I said, let's start doing live shows and having them chime in and basically make it their show. And we were just having random dudes hop on. People would, you know, it was like a party each week. It was great. And it worked Mm -hmm. out fantastic. But then politically things start getting a little wonky out there, which we kind of alluded to at the very beginning of the show. And so we started speaking freely along that avenue. And Irreverent Warriors is a great organization, but you know, they're they're trying to raise money and they're a big organization and we didn't want to screw anything up with them. Uh, I didn't want to get them canceled, you know, for saying something because I, I wasn't going to censor anything anybody's going to say. And so we just parted ways. I said, you know what? It's probably best that we do our own thing. Uh, we brought on an EOD guy named Frank uh, Easterling. Right. We pitched the show to my childhood hero, Anthony Cumia. Just a random situation thing. Again, listen to what your soul is telling you. And somehow I was like, I'm going to pitch a show to these guys on Compound Media, which it, uh, this isn't on purpose. I was just happened to be wearing the shirt. Um mm-hmm. And I pitched my show to, to Anthony Cumia of Opie and Anthony, mm-hmm. and he loved it. And they brought us on board. And so I had to like, it, within two weeks, go from just being a goofy, let's have fun to actually be a professional podcast and, you know, LLC and become a business and, and all that. But it's been great. We've had a lot of fun, met some really cool people, um, learned a lot, you know, going from amateur to pro about production and all that. And it's been fun. Uh, it's a great show. We have, we have. Uh, it's behind a paywall, which is it, it's you know good and bad. It's bad because mm-hmm. you know I can't just be like, hey, go check out our show. But it's good because it gives us somewhat of a level of protection to mm-hmm. speak freely because we don't say anything. I know for a fact everything I say is is not negative. It's not hateful. It's not racist. It's not homophobic. It's not trans. You know whatever phobic you can put on there. Right. It's absolutely not. Um, but in today's day and age, you could say anything and they can just be like, I don't like you. So we're going to turn that into something awful. And, mm-hmm. uh, that always concerns me uh, th- this modern age of speaking and being on social media and making content, man, I, it's always in the back of your mind that someone's going to misconstrue, construe something you say. So it just gives us a little bit of breathing room over there. And it's kind of like, ah, oh, 
can be free and not really worry too much about it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Being able to do that is great. Oh, it's, it's um, awesome. You, you're also in the coffee business now, right? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. Somehow I have a time machine and what I do uh-huh. is I stre- I dilate time. So <laughs> you might have like what we call a 24 hour day. Uh, I managed to get like 36 hours out of every single day. I still don't know how I do it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we, uh, 2022 Sierra coffee, the, the coffee company was made before my podcast. So the 21 to 22 screws me up all the time, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, we roast coffee. Uh, we use specialty grade beans, top beans you can have on the face of the earth. They're better than a common veteran owned coffee company. I won't name them, but they use premium grade to step low ours. Uh, the cool thing about 22 Sierra is we donate. I mean, that's the thing. Um, I'm still connected to a reverent warriors through them. We donate money to them. $3 out of every bag we sell, uh, we mm. send to either Grunt Style. We're, we're partnered with Grunt Style. Um, we're partnered with Burn Pits 360. We're partnered with Round Car- I always say this one wrong. Round Canopy Parachuting Team. And then, of course, a reverent warrior. So it's like those, those extra hours you have in the day we're just giving back again. And, you know, my wife's involved, my kids are involved and it just feels great. You know, we're not, we're not there to make, um, basically our profits go into, um, uh, giving back to these nonprofits. So, uh, I love it. I love it. Oh, and look, look at this. I just happened to have, this is our police one. Hold the line. That's it awesome. delicious. Yeah. We got, uh, nice. we, there's our reverent words. We'll, we'll actually, when we partner with people, we'll make a bag for them. So we have like our silkies bag. We have just random stuff too, but yeah. Uh, Lots of fun with that. That's really cool, man. Um, you know, uh, one more question about the podcast here. So, so now that you're working with like, like, uh, compound media, do they have like producers and things like that, that work with you? Or is it like, you're pretty much free reign on your own and, and, and all that kind of stuff? Well, it's been great because content wise, we're, we're, we're left free to do what we want to do. Uh-huh. Um, production wise. Yeah. I work with a producer that's actually been in the business for like 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, uh, I listened to Opie and Anthony. I was like 19 years old. I remember hearing this dude on the radio. Um, uh, his name's Eric Nagel. And uh, he like, so I'll, I'll submit my stuff and he'll be like, Hey, try to do this and try to do that. And he's just made it better, you know, to, cause when you're creating and that's what podcasting pretty much is people with no experience going in and just trying something and it's trial and error, trial and error. Yeah. Trial, and I can't tell you how many times I've failed and every failure leads to a little bit more success to have the pros say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a little cheat code here. Don't do this, do this. It's been awesome. It's been really cool. It's, awesome. it's a total trip. Cause like I said, these are people, Anthony and Eric are people that I heard on the radio since I was you know, working construction in college, banging nails, uh, listening to on WAF. And now it's like, I'm sure I have five texts from him now about what's going on today. And it's, it's just surreal. Um, a lot of fun. And then here's the other thing. And then this might come with that. And you're probably dealing with that. You know, when you're a content creator, when you're a comic, when you're whatever you do, everything you do is shit. People will mm-hmm. tell you, Hey man, your stuff's awesome. You're like, it sucks, sucks. Yep. I can't yeah. you never feel happy with what you put out. Yeah. And I'm like, do these guys know I suck? My show sucks, but somehow they keep stringing me along. All right. If that's what they want. Uh, yeah. It's been crazy. Yeah. No, I, I definitely go through that on a regular basis with the show, with my comedy, oh. with, with everything I do. It's, it's it, with it's my job. It's part of this yeah. world, man. It's part of this world. You'll never be. And if you are happy with it, it probably actually sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. 
Well, cool, man. Uh, really glad to have you on. Anything else you want to get out there to the audience uh, while you're here? Why don't you guys, if you guys ever want to check out uh, 22 Sierra Coffee, head over to 22sierracoffee.com and use, uh, I'll give you guys this, it's for my podcast, but if you mm-hmm. use 21 gun, just use the number 21 gun, you save 10% um, off off uh, all our products. Um, and like I say, it, it's what I like about it. And what I always say, because we plug the, the coffee on our show is like every sip you're taking, like we all drink coffee and um, every sip you're taking, you're like, I'm giving back. Right. You, you literally are giving back and we just have a lot of fun with that. So yeah, head over there and get a discount. Try it out. If you'd like it, let me know. I'm easy to find. Just go 21 gun podcast and all my shit pops up. I'm sure my email, and all that stuff, awesome. but um, yeah, that's really it. And keep the, what's that saying? Keep your nose to the grindstone. Never understood keep your that news to the grindstone. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Listen exactly. to your soul. Listen to your soul, warrior soul. A goji. A goji. I don't even know how to pronounce that, to be honest with you. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, man. It's like the older I get, there was a time where I'd be like, Warrior soul. Like, are you meditating? You nerd. Now I'm like, dude, <laughs> every night I'm trying to reach that level of psychedelic state and, and, pierce the veil of reality and find out what's going on in this world and realizing everything that we're experiencing is just based on these five senses, but they're, I don't know, we could go down a whole other rabbit hole with that. Yeah. No, it's funny because (laughs) when I, when I first started the show, right before I started, I was trying to figure out a name for the show. I'm like warrior, you know, like warrior dragon. No, that's not going to work. Warrior, this warrior soul. Yeah. And then it's a good one. I like it. Yeah, when I first started it, everybody thought it was the the um the heavy metal band or not that it was like the 80s hair band Warrior Soul. I never even heard of them. Now I got to go check them out. Big Yeah. Into that. They're they're like an 80s hair band, but Okay. Yeah, that's funny the way that, that- we uh we we racked out together in a tent down in texas a few weeks ago um doing some awesome stuff down there at the four by four by 48 foundation that was just an awesome weekend um and and it's been great getting to know you and and great hearing your story and i i really love everything you're doing out there man and and it's great when people can get out there and be an example for this community and you know not eat a bullet or not not you know do all the friggin shit that people think veterans do but but you know be who we really are you know yeah. which is a group of leaders who who are out there creating things and trying to make this country better and and i i applaud you for that oh well thank you and and i applaud you too sir for doing doing all the stuff that you're doing i mean getting stories out you never know that i heard andrew mars story so many years ago and that the hope is that someone else will hear like when you came on our show it's just it, you know one person reaches and you're like oh shit all this is worth it Every yeah. bit of it's worth it. Hundred percent, man. Hundred percent. So everybody out there, definitely get out there and check out the Twenty One Gun Podcast. Uh, how, it's behind a paywall. How, yeah. how much does it cost? How do you get there and stuff like that? I have. Uh, I got to look because I'm I'm still new with. I I should know their subscription service and all that. Um, they have discount codes that are on my um Twitter page. If you do uh, at 21 gun podcast, again, you don't have to spell it out. It's just two, one gun podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, I want to say it's like $79 a year or something like that, okay. which, which what I tell people is like, you know, you just don't buy that extra 
large latte from Starbucks once a week or once a day and, and boom, it's paid for. And yeah, there's a lot of good guys over there. A lot of comics, a lot of New York city comics. Uh, Anthony's a legend. If you guys don't know who Anthony is from Opie and Anthony, he's a legend. Um, his show is great and yeah, lots of great people and we have fun. And then check out 22 Sierra coffee. What's the web web handle for that again? 22 Sierra coffee.com. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to get me some of that too. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I, I love good coffee. Um, and to everybody out there, man, you know, I hope, I hope you got a lot out of this episode. I hope that you guys are, are, are going to keep pushing forward, keep pushing through. And, um, you know, we'll be back at you next week with another awesome episode. This is Chris and Kevin, and we are out.